love the presence of the Lord, don't you? He's going to minister to us. He already is ministering to our souls, ministering to our hearts, ministering to our hopes, ministering to our fears, ministering to our sin. God has a work to do in our lives tonight, ladies, and I hope that you will embrace it. I hope you are embracing it. It's already begun. It's already begun. You can go ahead and have a seat. The living Word of God is going to just begin to speak as we get into His Word. I hope you have a Bible with you, and I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm chapter 32. It's a great, great chapter. It's not a long chapter, and if you read it before you came, you might have realized that it's only 11 verses, but the Lord wants me to say right from the very beginning, it's not a long chapter, but it's a very high chapter. It's a very high chapter. It's a heavenly chapter. It's a high calling chapter. And see, when I began to write this, I was going to say, it's not a very long chapter, but it's a very deep chapter. And I was typing, and the Lord had me type the word high, and he began to speak into my heart. This is not a deep word. It's not deep. You know, sometimes things in the Bible, I mean, we got to dig, and we got to mine it out, and all those kinds of things, because maybe it's kind of hard to understand. Ladies, this is not a deep word. It's very clear. It's very easy to understand. But it's a word that calls us up. And so tonight, even as we begin to listen to the word of the Lord, and the Lord begins to speak to your heart, because it's not me, the Lord begins to speak to your heart. I believe the Lord wants to say to us, I have an elevated way of life for you to live. It's a way that is high above this world and the path that the low path that humanity usually trods upon. And so as God speaks to us from Psalm 32, he wants us literally to take our eyes and focus upward, to see the longing that he has in his heart for us to live holy lives and free lives. It's a, it's a very high vision, ladies. He has a, a desire that we would open our ears and turn them upward, that we would hear his voice and hear the very high calling that he has for us in Christ Jesus, and that we would shout up to the heavens with a joyful shout because it is high praise when you live in this high calling. And really, that's how we started our time together tonight, right? Just in high praise of the Lord, shouts of joy as we celebrated what God has been doing and is doing and what maybe you came longing for him to do tonight because we know that God can do a work in our lives. And the first two verses of this chapter really are all about the celebration of the work that God does in our lives. It's really just the beginning. He calls us up to a high life. And so I want us to just start by reading in Psalm 132 or Psalm 32. And it says, and I'm, I'm going to use a female pronouns here in words, okay? Because we're mostly women in here tonight. So I hope you're all right with that. But it says, how blessed is she whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the woman to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And I hope the prayer of your heart tonight is, oh, Jesus, would you just show me this high life that you have for me? I hope there's a, a sense of expectancy in your heart that Jesus is going to call you up. He's going to elevate you tonight and give you a vision for this high life. Now, what does it mean to be blessed? Because it uses that word quite a bit in that first couple verses. Well, it's not a hard word to understand. It's not deep. <laughs> it's easy. It's, it's a heavenly word, but it's not a deep word. It just means happy. <laughs> That's all it means. It means happy. 
And so we could say it like this. How happy is she whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered? How happy is the woman to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit? See, when that describes us, it is a happy day. Can you say happy day with me? Happy day. Can you say, oh, happy day? (laughs) Oh, happy day. That's right. Now, why? Why is it a happy day when those things are true? Let, Let me explain it this way by telling you a story. I remember when I was a, a little girl, not, not, as, um, not as old as you guys are here. I'm talking about young, like five. And, and I'm so glad. I, I missed you guys last week. Y'all were on the front row the first week, right? <laughs> I missed you last week. I'm so glad to see you come in. And I'm, I'm so glad that we have some young girls here because I, you know, a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight, if, if, and what Kelly was sharing, if we can build truth into our daughters' hearts and lives when they're young, Ladies, God can save them from a world of trouble. Oh, my goodness. But we've got to teach them truth, not just concepts that are spiritual. That We've got to teach them the truths of God's word. They've got to understand. Okay, but when I was a little girl, um, I can remember my first memory of, of shame and needing forgiveness. Now, I'm sure it's not the first time that I sinned, but it was the first time that I felt the weight and the shame of my sin. I was about five years old, like I told you. I was actually in kindergarten, and I was riding in the carpool with some kids on the way home from school. And another little girl, I guess for whatever reason, I didn't like her. Maybe we'd had a tip on the playground that day. I, I don't know what it was. But when she got out of the car, after she closed the door, I said something really ugly about her. And actually, what I said wasn't even true. And it was a really, really low thing for me to do. Well, later that afternoon... My mom, I think I was outside, and my mom called me in from playing, and she started to ask me about what I had said in the car. See, the carpool driving lady that day had called my mom after she got home, and had told my mom what I had said. And all I can remember in that moment was shame. See, I'm a person, I always have been, who likes for other people to be pleased with me. I liked for my mom to be happy with me, and my sin had just been exposed, and it felt awful. And that was the first time that I ever remember feeling like that. Now, over the years, the Lord has taught me a lot about sin. And one of the things that he showed me is that sin really happens in in layers. See, one layer of sin gets piled upon another. See, even at five years old, it wasn't just that I had told a lie about this girl. I mean, let's look at what the layers were. It started in my mind with some wrong thinking about myself and about this other girl. It started with some strife in our friendship, whatever that was. I slandered her. I lied about her. I waited till she got out of the car and manipulated the other kids in the back seat with me to think badly about her. All these layers of sin, and I was only five years old. (laughs) See, our depravity can take us to some pretty low places under layers of sin. And on that day, I remember wishing that I could just erase what I had done. Like the teacher would erase the blackboard. I wanted to erase it, but I couldn't. And so I remember just kind of hanging my head, and I didn't have much to say. 
And if you haven't figured it out by now, I always have something to say, okay? I have lots of words. I've never been short on that. I'm the one who always had the talks too much on my report card kind of thing, all right? One of the girls that I used to teach here when I taught school here, uh, she's a teacher now. And she sent me a note this week about how her mother found one of her report cards, and, and, and I had written on it, and, and it said, Angela talks too much, Angela talks too much, and everybody, and I was one of the ones that had written that, and she said, and now I'm always telling my kids and writing the same thing, she said, doesn't it all come around, and yeah, it, it does, but see, on this day, I didn't have anything to say, nothing to say, and I just hung my head in shame, now, it was the first time that I remember feeling like that, but it wasn't the last wasn't the last at all. There's been a lot of low moments and lots more layers of sin. See, sometimes I think we add on a layer of sin for every year that we alive, are alive and, and maybe even more than that. Now, granted, the older we get, though, we get a whole lot smarter about how we manage these sin things. See, at five years old, I was very smart, smart enough to wait till the little girl got out of the car, but I wasn't smart enough yet to know that I needed to wait till the, the carpool mom wasn't listening, okay? Uh, but the older we get, right, we learn. We, we learn these things, and we learn to manipulate it. And there's a reason why, ladies, that sin takes place in darkness, whether it's literal dark places or maybe just the darkness of our hearts. It's because sin brings shame. If anybody finds out, it's not a happy day, and, and we don't want anybody to find out. And so the more layers, the more shame we hide, and, and we can get pretty good at it, even for the ones who parade their sin. And they're open about it, and they say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do, and, and they, they, they act like that. You know what? That masquerade of freedom, that's not freedom. That's just another layer of sin. It's called rebellion and mockery of truth. See, even if we deny our sin, there's a shame in our soul that we cannot escape. And every now and then, even if we're denying it, it's going to show up when we look in the mirror. It's going to show up when somebody says something that pricks something in our hearts. Or we lay our head on the pillow at night and God begins to whisper to us or we just kind of glance up at him, even if we haven't done that in a while. Oh, the weight of sin. I can tell you, over the years, I have cried many, many tears over my own sin. And, and being in ministry and talking with people, I have cried many tears with people over their sin as well. The moment that they said those hurtful words that they wish they could take back, the moment they stole that money, the moment they got involved in a sexual relationship that never, ever should have been, whether it was one-on-one -on -one with lots of people or maybe just on a computer screen. There's a lot of shame that comes from those kinds of things. The time that they cheated, the time that we lied, the time we walk away from God's voice and we just do what we want to do, even though we know we can hear God's voice in the distance, but we're doing our own thing. The time we allow the bitterness to take root or the idol gets set up in our life or the lust takes over or we give into that selfishness, whatever it is. And when those things come into our lives and we get underneath those things, underneath those layers. We can't erase them. We wish that we could. We wish that we could take it back, that we, we could undo it, but we're responsible. We did it. It is on our record, and that's the shame of sin. But there is a happy day. There is a very happy day, and that's the day when? When the sin is erased, and that's the day when? When Jesus died to cover the sins. 
by his blood, with his grace, granting us forgiveness that we don't deserve. Oh, happy day. Now, David actually wrote this song. And even though it's written in the Old Testament, uh, we're going to find that he, he, he saw some things, I think. God allowed him to see some things in the spirit. He had stooped beneath layers of sin. Let me just mention a few of them for you. Lust, adultery, murder, arrogance, selfishness, manipulation, self-righteousness, pride, covetousness, all these things. I mean, we could keep going. But I'm convinced that God allowed David to get a glimpse of his eternal Savior, who is Jesus. So David began, and you can see it all over the Psalms, he began to live in and prophesy of the high life that God has for us, this, this high calling. See, Psalm 32, it's really a combination of things. It is a testimony of David. This is David's story, but it is also a very prophetic word about our Savior Jesus all in one. See, when he writes here in verse 2, how happy is, is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, he's testifying, the Lord has cleared my record of sin. Well, we all know who is the only one who can clear your record of sin. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? So he's speaking of Jesus. Only Christ can take away sin from our record. And by the way, that's what imputed means, okay? It, it's what your record is. And so w w when it says there that he does not impute iniquity, it's not on our record. It's been wiped clean. But see, David also testified right here. He said, there's no spirit of deceit in me anymore. And see, it's only Jesus who can take that spirit of, of deceit out of our hearts. See, you may not know David's full story, but for a long time, while David was underneath all these layers of sin, you know what he did? He tried to hide that sin. He even tried to hide it from himself. He convinced other people, he thought, he, he thought he was convincing himself, and he thought he was convincing God that, oh, everything is, is just fine. <laughs> and lots of people do that. But you know what? God, who sees it all, he sent a prophet into David's life. You might know this story. His name was Nathan, and Nathan exposed the sin. Kind of like that day when the carpool lady called my mom, okay? But, but Nathan came right to David, and he exposed his sin. And that was hard. It was a very vulnerable moment. A moment filled with grief and shame and exposure when the light just came in and flooded the darkness. But it called David up to a high calling that God had for his life over the, as he was king over the people Israel. It called David to a place of repentance. And as David repented and he found that cleansing before the Lord, it was a happy day. And he wrote these verses, verses 1 and 2, because his heart had been cleansed and sin was no longer on his record. And it was a happy day. Can you say that with me again? Oh, happy day, okay? Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why tonight as we began the worship, you could just jump right in because you already have been looking up to your Savior, Jesus. You did that when he saved you and you're living in this high calling. Your, your eyes are upward. It's not that you're better than anybody else or higher than anyone else. You've just turned your gaze upward from this low place and all that goes on here upward to Jesus. And that's God's plan for us. That's why he sent his son. 
I want you to look with me at, at a video we're going to watch for just a minute. And it's from a movie that I love. And, and this is one of my favorite scenes. You might have seen it before. But sometimes, ladies, I just don't think that we embrace to the fullness what Christ has done for us. I don't think we embrace it with the celebration on a daily basis of what God has done when he washed our sins away, that it really is a happy day. And I want you to specifically listen for when the choir leader says, take your cue from me. Because tonight, I believe God wants to say to us in, in Psalm 32, take your cue from me. Your life needs to be celebrating this forgiveness. Let let's watch this video and then we'll come back. Isn't that great? You've probably seen that before, but you see how it just kind of had to get worked into him a little bit? And then it's like in, it, in, it, in his veins, it's in his heart, it's in his, it's in his step, and then he, and he just has that cry out. And then what happens to the people around him? They like are getting into it, even the most grim-faced ones that are usually like, you know, all serious, that they, they get into it. And it's beautiful, and ladies, that's what God wants for us. A life when we reach up to the heavens with our voice and all that we are because it's a high life. But I also want us to read verses 3 and 4. Because David keeps telling his story, and he says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. See, you know what? Even though God has this high life of freedom from sin for us, many people... Many people, including David, including me, and I imagine including you, we stoop low sometimes, don't we? Psalm 62 talks about a tumult of iniquity. It's, a tumult is commotion. I, I like to think of that as, as like a downward spiral of sin. And I, I believe it's when one part of sin just kind of leads to another, plunging us lower beneath the layers of sin. And what we don't realize, though, is the very worst thing that we can do when that happens is try to hide it. <laughs> but that is the low thing that most people do. But see, tonight, the Lord wants to call us out of that low practice that a lot of us have in our lives. By this word here in Psalm 32, he wants us to take a cue. See, remember my five-year-old kindergarten story? I hated the way that I felt when my mom knew what I had done. I didn't like that feeling. And so maybe that's why later in life, when I found myself under that tumult of iniquity, that I got really, really good at, at hiding my sin. And most people do, because we don't want other people to know. And, and we often don't want to even change what we're doing, so that's sometimes the reason we don't want other people to know. And maybe that's what the Bible means when it talks about us having a low estate. See, not only are we sinners, a lot of times, in a low place, under a tumult of iniquity, layers of sin in our lives, but we stoop low trying to hide it. You know, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. First sin, what did they try to do? Try to hide it. That's <laughs> what David did when he got Bathsheba pregnant. He tried to hide it by, by having her husband killed and, and doing all manner of other things. It was when what happened when Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament tried to cover their sin. It's, it's what your kids do. You, you do know that your kids, even when they're really little and cute, you know they're sinners, right? <laughs> They are sinners. They might be cute, but they're still sinners. My uh, niece has two little boys, precious, and, and, you know, just cute as can be. But her husband, 
He's a really strong Bible teacher. And, and, and when their first one was kind of young and people were saying, oh, he's so cute, he, he, he just thinks very biblically. And he said, he's not cute. He's a viper in a diaper. <laughs> and we were, don't say that. But he's just thinking biblically. Now, he adores his child. But he's just thinking right because our kids are sinners. <laughs> Go home and don't, don't sing that to your baby tonight. You're a viper in a diaper. <laughs> you know, but, but that's just thinking because... Even our precious little ones are sinners. We are all sinners. But see, the Lord wants to expose this low estate for what it really is and wash us clean and then call us up because he has a better way for us to live than that low way. Read verse 5 with me. It says, this is David speaking. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of of my sin. See, God wants to show us that whenever we get caught in that tumult of iniquity, we can come to him in repentance and we can make it right. And that's a high calling. It's not, it's not what most people embrace. (laughs) Most of humanity falls for the lie that it's just best to hide it. Don't admit it. Shroud it in something, you know. Uh, Don't talk about it. Just act like it's not even going on. You can even convince yourself that it's not going on. But God is calling us higher. And he's saying, do not believe that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You need to expose your sin so that you can experience the freedom of celebration and have a happy day. Say it with me again. Oh, happy day. God's calling us to a happy day. See, what does he say here? He says, when I kept silent. That's one way of hiding our sin. We just don't talk about it. We don't talk about it to ourselves. We certainly don't talk about it to anybody else. When everybody has prayer request time at church, we're going to mention everybody else's problems, but we're not going to talk about our problems, right? (laughs) If we're sick, maybe, yeah, because that's kind of acceptable. But we're not going to talk about sickness of the soul and really say what it is a lot of times. But see, there's a lot of other ways to hide our sin. I mean, we can just reveal some of those by rewording this a little bit. Instead of saying, when I kept silent about my sin, we could say, when I justified my sin and I talked myself into believing it was okay. That's really just hiding our sin. (laughs) Or maybe we say, when I asked other people their opinion, so I'd feel better about what I did or didn't do because most people aren't going to really tell us the truth, right? They're, oh, you're okay, honey. You know, that's just another way to hide our sin. Or maybe we say, um, when I compared myself to others, oh, I'm certainly better off than she is. So that just kind of shrouds our sin as well. Or when I hide behind what has been done to me, other people's sin toward me, well, then I can blame everybody else for my sin. So it's just a way of covering up my own sin. Or, Or when I look at my circumstances and I say, well, you know, I really wouldn't be like this if this hadn't happened to me or if I wasn't in this situation. That's just a covering. It's a, it's a shroud. And God says, get up out from under that stuff. Let, let's come up higher than that. See, there's lots of ways to hide sin. But every one of them are a futile effort. <laughs> because the only one who can really hide sin is Jesus. <laughs> and he doesn't just hide it. He covers it and he cleanses it and he washes it away. So that he remembers it no more, the Bible says. And God wants us to understand what happens to us when we hide our sin. And so I believe through David's testimony, he reveals the destruction that comes into our lives when we hide our sin. What does that produce? It produces sickness. 
in every way. It produces physical sickness, emotional sickness, and spiritual sickness. And we're going to talk about these for a minute. And I I just want to say before we do, as we dig into this word here, or dig up to this word, I should say, that you know what? This is truth here in God's word. It's not meant to condemn. It's meant to call us up. And you, as we talk through some of this, you might find that you're experiencing some of these kinds of sicknesses. And you probably will, because we all are. (laughs) Because we live in a broken world that is under layers of sin. Some of what you're experiencing might be because there's sin in your life. And I'm telling you, from the truth of God's word and because I love you and I know how God has delivered me and worked in my own life in some of these ways and he's certainly still working because I can identify with a lot of the things we're going to talk about too, that God is calling us up. And this is a loving word that he's given to us and so it's worth considering for ourselves. You'll need to talk to the Lord about these things yourself and figure out, am I in these places of sickness spiritually, physically, emotionally, because of my sin? Is there some things that God wants me to confess so he can call me up? But we need to know as we enter into this time, it's not a condemnation. It is a good word. It's a, it's a calling up word. So the first one is physical sickness. Do you know that sin can make you sick physically? David says here, my body wasted away. <laughs> There are things, some sin that we do to our bodies or with our bodies that just by the nature of what we're doing to them, it's harmful. They're going to cause sickness in our body. And I I think we all understand that. But there are other kinds of sin as well that's not as direct that can also bring a sickness to our bodies and and how they function. For instance, worry can, can make us physically sick. Worry can give you headaches. It can make you have digestive issues and ulcers. Bitterness. Bitterness can, uh, can affect your sleep. It, it, it can affect your appetite. Did you know that bitterness can even change the way your face looks over time? Literally contort your face. Have you ever known somebody that's, that's an older person that is just eaten up with bitterness? It's like their face is almost contorted. Sin affects us physically, ladies. If we don't ever take the time to rest which is sin, that can cause all kinds of physical issues for us. Laziness too, which is sin, can, can cause all kinds of muscle issues and, and problems with our joints and make our bodies prone to disease because we're not up and, and moving about. There's all kinds of teaching and discussion about this kind of thing, how sin affects us physically. And I'm certainly not going to get into all that tonight, nor could I. But it is important to know and to consider this truth in our lives, how destructive sin can be to us, just even in the physical sense. I can tell you personally, one of the ways that I've seen this to be true in my own life, I have sinned many times by setting up food as an idol in my life. Because food over the years has often been an emotional fix for me, kind of like alcohol would be to to an alcoholic. And as a result, for a lot of years, I physically carried around a lot of weight that, that wasn't good for my body. And extra weight brings about physical struggles, and, and it certainly did for me as well. Until I began to listen to the counsel of the Lord, and I will tell you, it's still something that I have to listen to the counsel of the Lord. I feel like it's going to be one of those thorns in my side for, for until, until I get to glory, because like Stephanie was talking about, you know, I can be all about the Dairy Queen thing, you know. But see, the Lord began to show me, it's not a weight issue for you, Sharon. 
It's an idolatry issue for you. And he began to call it what it was. And I could hide behind that and say, oh, no, it's just my body type. or it's just But it wasn't. It was a sin issue. That was for me. I can't say that for you. That's something you have to talk to the Lord about. That's just an example to let you know. I'm not just standing up here saying all these things to you. These are, these are ways that God has revealed things in my own life as well. What about emotionally? Sin, sin makes us emotionally sick too. What does it say here? It says, through my groaning all day long. <laughs> Some of us know what that feels like, right? Many times, despair and depression can come from sin. It's just not been cleansed out of our lives. Sin can make you feel horrible about your life for lots of reasons because sin produces horrible things. It destroys relationships. It, it causes bitterness. It chips away at the way we feel about ourselves. It wears us out. I mean, it just causes all kinds of issues. So it's no wonder that it can make us groan all day long, right? And, and be depressed and, and in despair. And, and I can speak personally about this as, as well. I mean, I, I went through a, several years of, of a deep depression when I was in my 20s, and I now know that that was a result of me not thinking biblically, not thinking according to truth. I had so many strongholds in my mind, and it was sin because I had neglected the word of God, and I didn't even know how to think biblically. So it wasn't like I had done it intentionally, but I had in the sense that I hadn't even really sought out the counsel of the Lord. There were layers of sin involved in all that stuff. But the Lord began to transform my mind like Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about. Little by little, the Lord began to lift me out of that pit of depression. And I have some moans and groans here and there, but not all day long anymore, you know? And praise God. God does that kind of work in our lives. What about spiritually sick? Because sin makes us spiritually sick. What does it say here in verse 4? Day and night, your hand... That's the hand of the Lord. It was heavy upon me. And my vitality was drained away just like in the, in the summer heat. See, this is speaking about God's hand. And sin produces that feeling of, of guilt because it causes that break in our relationship to God. And if we know the Lord, if we know his truth, you get caught up in sin that you are not confessing, you are going to feel that heavy hand of the Lord. And you're going to feel that vitality just like drain out of you. It's an awful place to be. But even for people that don't really know Christ, don't know the Lord, there is a knowing of right and wrong in the, heart, in the hearts of people. I mean, Romans talks about that. And, and so that's why a lot of times people get so upset because they feel judged. <laughs> okay? Because nobody likes that feeling. They don't like to feel judged. It drains our vitality for living. Spiritual sickness is a really dangerous place to be. And that's what sin does in our lives. And, and I can speak of that personally too. Oh my goodness. When I was just living under layers of sin in my 20s, not, not ever taking a bath spiritually, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay? I mean, I felt that guilt, the heavy hand of the Lord upon me. And, and even to speak to it this way too, though, ladies, because there has been a lot in my past of neglect of the word of God, so I didn't know truth, so I didn't even know how to appropriate the gospel in my life. I didn't know how to appropriate the forgiveness and, and the joy and the cleansing that I had received. I needed a revelation to really understand what God had done in my life. And so even that 
caused, that sin caused me to not understand the gospel. So a lot of times there was a lot of misplaced guilt in my life where I was sitting around feeling guilty all day thinking God was mad at me and he really wasn't. He had forgiven me and cleansed me. I just didn't know it. So I was feeling that spiritual sickness that wasn't even mine, kind of like a hypochondriac, but I wasn't. I wasn't sick, but I felt like I was. All the layers of sin, all what it does in our lives, such low places, such sickness that it brings. Certainly not a happy day. You know, we see this a lot in our Living Light ministry. Next week, Shani's going to talk to you more about our Living Light ministry and so many neat things going on there. But that's where we go into dark places right here in Hampton Roads, into strip clubs and into jails. And so we meet a lot of women who are really experiencing the depths of, of these kinds of sicknesses. And we need women. And women's groups, there's lots of ways to get involved in this, maybe from a distance or maybe directly involved one-on-one. But we need people who really have that upward vision in their lives to come and and help us and, and do this kind of work together. We can bond together as a church and spread the living light of the gospel into these dark places in our community. But see, it's not just in those dark places where this kind of stuff is taking place, this kind of sickness. Many Christians have not realized this high calling and they don't walk in this truth of this high calling of repentance and confession before the Lord. See, even though they've received Christ as their savior and their sins have been washed at salvation, they've somehow missed this invitation to the high life. And so they're still caught underneath the tumult of iniquity day in and day out and experiencing a lot of these kinds of sicknesses in uh, in their bodies, in their minds, in in their emotions and in spiritually because they're caught in addictions and they're caught in unbelief and idolatry and immorality and bitterness and pride and deception and on and on we could go i mean we have all me included been affected by these ways of living the difference is whether or not we will begin to look up or we're just going to stay in those low places are we going to be able to look up to the happy day It makes me think about Mary, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when she realized that she was carrying the Savior of the world, she sang out a song to the Lord. She sang out a song. And one of the things she said to the Lord is, you have regarded our low estate. See, she realized how bad off we were. (laughs) She was a young girl, but she had great understanding. And the word she used here for low estate means a spiritual depravity. But Mary was singing out praise before God because she realized, I am carrying the Messiah in my womb. He's going to set us free. Jesus has looked into my life and seen this low estate. He's seen the low estate of of humanity, but he is going to call us higher. Praise you, Jesus. And so she just broke out in song because she knew a happy day was coming. If the people of the Lord would look up, if they would listen and and let him call them higher. Oh, that we would let the Lord call our gaze upward to him, to this high call of holy living. I remember when I was first coming to an understanding of this kind of lifestyle with the Lord, this high calling of walking in repentance and confession daily with the Lord and and just being cleansed and living cleansed, so living free and living with celebration in in my life. And God showed me a scripture in Psalm 3 that was just beautiful, took me back to that day when I was five years old because it says that he is the lifter of my head. See, I had hung my head down in shame. And I had done that for years. 
But I began to learn that the Lord is the lifter of my head. Read verse 5 with me again. David says, I acknowledged my sin to you. He acknowledged his sin. He called it for what it was. It's sin. And he called it his own. He didn't blame anybody, hide behind it in any way. It's my sin. And he said, I acknowledged my sin to you. See, a lot of times, yeah, we need to apologize to other people, but sin is against God. And we need to bring it to him. And David stopped hiding it. And he made a decision. And I, I love how he says this here. He says, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. In other words, he told himself what to do. Have you ever had to tell yourself what to do? <laughs> It's like, Sharon, this is what we're doing today. You are not going to be led anymore by your feelings, your pride, your vulnerability, whatever it is. But today, we are going to confess our transgressions to the Lord. And we're going to experience his salvation in this place today. And David said, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Can you say it with me? Oh, happy day, right? Say it. Oh, happy day, right? And David goes on to share. He's saying, don't do what I did. (laughs) Don't be so dumb. Listen to what he says in verse 6. He says, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. He's saying, don't wait. Don't wait. Go to God. I I got some great advice one time when I was listening to Joyce Meyer. She said, be quick to repent. In other words, as soon as you realize it's sin, I mean, you go. And you can do that anywhere. You can be standing in the line at Walmart. And you can be in repentance before the Lord at the throne of grace. (laughs) Anywhere. You just be quick to repent. You don't have to go through this, you know, oh, woe is me. Just be quick to repent. I mean, don't even give yourself time to think about where you're going to hide the sin. Just, Just get it out there in the open with the Lord. Maybe several times a day. Maybe many times a day. I was thinking about that today, and the Lord just kind of gave me this analogy of, you know, I wash my hands a lot. I don't think I'm OCD about it, but I do wash my hands a lot. And it's that same kind of idea. It's not just that I come once a day and I say, God, please forgive my sins. Because, see, if if that's all we're doing, we're not even engaging in the confession. We don't even know what they are. We're just saying it kind of rote. But this sense of, you know, as much as I'm washing my hands, I need to be washing my heart. (laughs) I mean, how many times do I sense this need to go to the sink and wash my hands? How many times has the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, that was not a right thought. Oh, you don't want to get under that layer, honey. No, 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 come over here. It's this quick repentance. I mean, even just once a day, like true stuff, like really getting in the shower. You know, have you ever had some of your kids say, yeah, I took a shower, and all they did was kind of just like jump in, jump out, like really, really fast, and just to get their head wet. But it's like, you know, they didn't really have a shower because they still smell like, you know, especially if you've got boys. I I know I ragged on boys last week, and that sounds bad again. But, you know, that is true. Our, Our Haiti team is in Haiti right now, and they're in a very remote place. Uh, There is no electricity. There is no running water. The only way you get a shower is if it rains and you go outside with your bar of soap and you wash and say, keep coming, (laughs) keep coming. Or you get in the river that's kind of dirty anyway, and so you're not going to feel real clean. And that's one of the reasons I haven't gone to Haiti yet. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I don't think I could take that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out in faith, but I I have not done it yet. And most of us would never consider going one day, two or three days, 10 days, two weeks, two months, five years without a shower, right? But how often do we not even come once a day in repentance before the Lord to get clean before him? 
David is saying, go, go quick. You, you, you don't want to do what I did. It's not a good place to be. And then he says this. He says, surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. See, sometimes the consequences of our sin are so great, we just feel like we're going to drown. David says, when you walk in repentance, God's not going to let you drown. You, you might have some consequences in your life. Just to let you know, David's son died because of his sin. But God's not going to let you drown. I love this next part in verse 7. It's kind of like a mockery of us hiding sin in a good way. Like, it says this. It says, you are my hiding place. See, instead of us hiding our sin, God takes us and he hides us. He hides us. In his protection, he says, you preserve me from trouble. He hides us in his love and care. And then he says, and you surround me with songs of deliverance. How's that for surround sound? <laughs> God, God will surround us with sound songs of deliverance. Because we're going to need those songs of deliverance. Because when you repent and you come in confession before the Lord, it's probably not over. Because there's layers of sin in your life. <laughs> And so, yes, for that action, you've been cleansed, for that thought, whatever, for you not doing what you needed to do in that moment, yes, there's been cleansing. And sometimes, yeah, the Lord, bam, he just pulls you out from 50 layers of sin and he just sets you free. But a lot of times he just peels them back, what, one by one. As you continue to come daily, sometimes many times a day, washing yourself before him, letting him do the washing of you because he's really the only one that can, but to know that he's singing songs over you while you're doing it. You know how you sing songs over children when you're giving them a bath? You know, God's singing songs of deliverance over us. I know that I've been walking through a season for quite a while where it's very easy for me to get underneath these layers of sin, anger and bitterness and unbelief from some things that have been going on in my life. But as I've been looking up to the Lord's way of living and just those things come into my heart, my mind, and just repenting quickly and finding that forgiveness, even though I know God is still doing a work, we have, we have not arrived. I'm, I'm singing the songs of, of freedom that he's given me, and I'm knowing it's coming. I can tell you God has sung some of the sweetest songs of deliverance over me during this season because God is good. And when we look up and we let God do what he does best, not only does he forgive us, but he sings us right through that door to freedom. Oh, happy day. That's what God does. And then on top of it, he does that deliverance singing, and then he gives us counsel. Listen to what else he says. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. See, God himself will teach us, and he'll counsel us. And he not only teaches us here, hey, do not hide your sin, but he teaches us, and he wants us to know he will teach us how to walk out of that sin and out of that bondage, eventually for good. There's an underlying thought in this chapter, I believe, that just says God is good. I just hear the tenderness in his voice when he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. The other day, I was at the beach studying, and these two moms and their little girls came up, and, and they were setting up beside me, putting up the blanket and the, you know, the umbrella. And the little girls were prancing around, and they were all excited. And then one of the little girls, she was about six years old, she ran across the blanket. 
And her mom reached down and she grabbed her arm and she caught in her face and she said, I told you not to get stand on the blanket. And my heart just sank because it was like all the joy went out of this little girl. And I just began to pray over that mom and daughter because I know moments like that happen when we can get so caught up thinking about sand on the blanket. I watched that little girl who didn't even know what to do with herself in that moment. It's like she didn't even know how to be in her skin. She'd been so happy, and then she was like, what do I do? I'm embarrassed. And she walked down to the water, and I just began to pray over her. But the Lord just spoke to me in that moment, and he said, that's not how I counsel my children. That's not how I counsel my children. I'm a good counselor. Sure, he may say and grab our face with his tender hands and say, baby, look up. Let me tell you why you don't want to get sand on your blanket. But he's not going to do it in a way that leaves us feeling stripped and without a savior, without a way to move forward out of this like we've just committed the worst thing ever and he's furious with us. See, many people don't see God as a good counselor, as a good teacher. And that perception many times causes us to shrink back and not come to him in repentance and not seek out his counsel. I read this quote the other day. It was on Facebook. And, oh, it has just rocked my soul as I've thought through this again and again. It's by a a woman named Krista Gifford Black. And it says, if you are not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. In other words, if the goodness of God doesn't move you to look up to the high counsel of God's good word, you're going to look to lower places to find your truth that helps you to feel better right in that moment. Something that you perceive is good, but how many of us know our hearts can deceive us, right? See, God's good truth is the only thing that is going to counsel us. And here his truth is telling us the best way is confession. The best way is to walk out and confess your sins. It might be hard to admit what we're doing is wrong, to to admit that we've missed the mark, to say before people, I'm struggling, to tell God, I don't know how to figure this out and I am lost. Would you please help me? But when you know that God is good, you realize It's okay if it's hard. It's okay if it's vulnerable because my God's not going to leave me. He came to call me up. He knows I can't get up on my own. So he's going to call me up and he's going to carry me up and he's going to counsel me through this whole thing. How does God counsel us? He does it by his word and his spirit. In my own life, I'm so thankful that he has been my counselor. And he's such a good counselor. I don't have to have an appointment for therapy with him. I can go in Walmart. I can go when I'm in church. I can go whenever I'm, wherever I can have therapy with him. And sometimes he uses other people who are rich in his truth and rich in his word to help me along too. But God counsels me by his word and he literally speaks life into me. And David, who loved the word of God, he said this about the Lord's word and his counsel. He said, God's word makes me wiser than my enemies. It gives me more insight than my teachers. It gives me more understanding than the aged. What is David saying? He's saying the counsel of the Lord is like incredible, right? And, and I marvel at the counsel of the Lord in my life as well. I mean, I have some Bible studies that I've written, but you know what they are? It's just the counsel that God has poured into me. 
Two of the Bible studies that we have out there are specifically written as God walked me out of sin in my own life. One of them is called So Long Self. It's a study of Romans 6. It's intense. It's a getting rid of yourself. Our cherished team is, is working through this, and I'm doing it again with him. And I'm like, God, did I write this stuff? I don't remember. Because he's doing a new work in me through his word. One of the others is called Loving Life, and it's, it's just an embracing of this high calling that God talks to us about in, in 1 Peter. God says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He sees everything going on in our individual lives. Hebrews 4 told us, right, that he sees it all. Everything is open and laid bare before him. No other counselor can do that. I mean, they might ask you about your past. (laughs) They don't know your past. And if you cover it up, they're not going to know the difference, right? (laughs) They, They might ask you about your fears, but they don't know what the root of those fears are. People can speculate and help you. And, and, and God uses people in our lives, but God is the only one who can specialize because he knows us. He defines sin by the counsel of his truth. He defeats sin by the sacrifice and resurrection of his son. And he deflates the sin in our lives, just dem- demolishes it by counseling us through our moments of repentance and transformation. And he does these things to destine us through the door, ladies, to a happy day. See, he doesn't just want you to stop sinning, to stop getting sand on the blanket. That's not what God wants. (laughs) He doesn't even just want you to stop hiding your sin. He wants you to understand his love for you, what your sin is, to uncover it, and then to let him counsel you through it with truth so that you can have a happy day. And that will never happen if we keep living low. Because our heavenly places are only going to be counseled by the divine counselor in the heavens. And that's why he wants us to draw up to him. See, anybody can follow rules. Anybody can follow a religion and its guidelines. Some, some people tend to think that the Bible's a rule book. It's, it's not a rule book. The Bible tells us of our loving God who's calling us to a high place of holy living and all the blessing that's going to give in our lives. Read verse 9. We're going to move forward, closing this out here. It says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding. God's saying, don't be like a dumb animal. Okay? God speaks clearly sometimes. Not harsh, but clear. Whose trappings? I told you, it's not a hard word. It's not, it's not deep. We, we understand what he's saying right here, right? Whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. See, this is not about a bunch of religious rules. God's saying, don't put a bunch of rules around yourself to make you come near to me. Just understand what it is I'm saying to you. I have a high way of living for you. You know, David had rules. You know what he did with them? He broke them. That's what everybody does with rules. God says, don't get in that. You need understanding of what I'm calling you to. And then he says this in verse 10. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. Why are there many sorrows for the wicked? Because when people are sick, they die. (laughs) And that brings sorrow. And that's what happens when we live in this low place, under the tumult of iniquity, in our low estate, continuing to hide our sin. Sin brings death. But listen to what else it says. It says, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. (laughs) Loving kindness shall surround them. See, the one who trusts in the Lord, who looks up to him, who trusts God enough to say, God, this is my sin. 
I see it. I know you see it. Who trust him enough to listen to what he says. Who trust him enough to do what he says, even though it doesn't make sense. It says the loving kindness of the Lord is going to surround him. The loving kindness of the Lord, that is the Hebrew word chased, and it means the goodness, the kindness, and the faithfulness of the Lord. That's another Bible study the Lord had me write years ago. Just all about the loving kindness of the Lord, all over the Psalms. And God says, it'll be all around you, above you, beneath you, all around you, the loving kindness of the Lord. And then we get to verse 11, and he says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Why are you righteous? Only because you're righteous in Christ. And when you know that, even when you stoop low some days, you look up because your righteous Savior who has saved you has already set you free from that. So you repent, you go through that, and you, you're cleansed, and, and you can still be having a happy day. <laughs> and, and you just let him cleanse that stuff in your life. And then he says, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. See, when you have an upright heart, you sing about a happy day. Because an upright heart is a heart that is looking up, just like we've been talking about. Upright heart's not a perfect heart. It's just a heart that's given up on stooping low, and instead is looking up for the high life of holy living that brings about a happy day. So tonight, we want to take a moment to just pray into this high word for our lives. See, God didn't give us Psalm 32 to condemn us to a low place, but to call us up to a high place. I want to ask you to stand with me You know, we started tonight with a celebration. But I realized that not everybody in this room was able to celebrate. Because some of us in this room don't know Jesus as our Savior. So you've been under this weight of sin, layers of sin in your life, all your life. Maybe for you it started when you were five and it's still that way in your life. You're stooping under the weight and the shame of sin, but you do not have to. Tonight you can come to Jesus and he he can wash your sins away, and this can be a really happy day for you. I want to introduce you to Marsha. Where are you, Marsha? She's coming right up here. You'll see her in a minute. Marsha is a dear sister, loves the Lord, experienced the forgiveness of the Lord. She would like nothing better than to talk to you tonight if you do not know Jesus as your Savior. And to let him wash your sins. She'll help you know how to talk to him, what to say, answer some questions for you if you have them. And so I just want to invite you. You don't even have to wait right now. You can just go on. Marsha's going to be over there kind of in that way. And you can just begin to make your way over to her. And you know what? No one's going to look at you funny. They're all going to be going, hallelujah, isn't that beautiful? They're going to love that. They're going to celebrate with you because they too have found a happy day. But you know what? There are also many of us in this room. We know Jesus, but we've been stooping low. Maybe we haven't washed our hands. Maybe we haven't had a shower in a long while. I don't have to go through naming all these different kinds of sin in our lives. The Lord's speaking to us. He's been speaking, I know, convicting, not in a harsh way, not yelling at you because you got sand on the blanket. Just saying, can I call you up out of that? You don't want to live that way. It's not going to produce happy days in your life. 
Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, look up tonight. I want to take you to a higher way. Look up to my cross. I'm the only one who can cover your sin. Look up to my forgiveness and and just confess that sin. Look up to my counsel and let me teach you and instruct you how to walk on a higher road. We've got prayer warriors around the room who are standing next to chalkboards. 